0: The no-meeky show We Clash momentarily for class solidarity Cash circulating give the masses back as currency Greed from elites oligarchs stay fed deep state Faith Fed everybody break bread racism homophobia sexism religion in this melted pop we live in time to build a new system unionize labor rights highlight the issue talking has left his best The saga continues The no-meeky show
1: Hello and welcome to the Nomi Key Show. We have a jam-packed show today. It is Friday, January seventh, the day after the one-year memorial of. I've got we got to find some term for this of the January sixth riots, uh, the the terrorist attacks, of course uh, that occurred on the Capitol. But uh, we're going to start off the show today to talk about the state of Build Back Better and how it affects. You know, it's a very big bill, right? Build Back Better, which is still in limbo, still being held up. The White House is basically not even on speaking terms with Joe Manchin at this point. It's getting a little out of control. Uh, That was based on Politico's reporting today. But it is such a big bill. It is such a complicated bill that it's almost been hard to message around because it affects so many different communities. There's so many different parts of it. Uh, So we're going to try to lean into this and explain it and break it down for you so you know what you're fighting for, right? Uh, We are going to talk about immigration. And I am very excited. Our first guest of the day is Bruna Solid. Uh, Bruna is the senior communications and political director at United We Dream Action, UWDA, uh, which is a lobbying, does lobbying, um, advocacy, and electoral politics of, of course, United We Dream, which is the largest immigrant led, uh, youth led community in the country. Which is huge. Uh, it's 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 a really incredible organization has been around, um, you know, fighting for DACA uh, litigation and so much of the movement that came out of you know the Obama era uh, DACA rulings and of course SB ten seventy et cetera et cetera. So Bruna, thank you for joining us and uh, giving us a little bit of an update. What's going on with Bill
2: Better? How where where does it stand? yeah that's a good question i think we're all <laughs> wondering that as we start the new year um well a couple things happened in 2021 right we um, fought really really hard immigrant young people allies took to the streets in the middle of a pandemic to fight to include immigration and build back better we were successful in a lot of ways we were able to ensure that the house version of build back better included immigration protections that's protections for things like that protect me right now i'm a DACA recipient I'm protected from deportation. I have a work permit. I'm able to have health care. I'm able to have a driver's license. Those seem like simple things, but they're not, right? They allow me to live my life. Um, And so we were successful in pushing the House to do that. However, because of really arcane, and honestly, I'll say um, unhelpful rules in the Senate, um, there's someone called the parliamentarian, and she is an unelected advisor that gives advice to members of Congress, Um, and she unfortunately has, I think, gone beyond the scope of her work and advised senators um, not to include citizenship in the Senate version of Build Back Better. We think that that's the wrong decision. We're firm in that belief. Um, And at the end of December, we were very clear with Democrats that they needed to disregard the parliamentarian. This has happened in the past. Republicans, when they had control of the Senate back in the Bush years, they disregarded the parliamentarian. Um, It's just an opinion, it's not a ruling. Um, and so we've been very clear, Democrats hold the power here to put what they want in the bill and to pass it. Um, and we think it's really important for immigrants to be included in Build Back Better. You can't exclude millions of people um, from this big of a package.
1: Well, what I don't understand, uh, I don't understand why this is not a, a an easier issue for Democrats to fight for. This is you know, 20, 30 years ago when uh, you had the border the first border wall conversation you know in the in the late 90s right um against a clinton white house you had more conservative democrats on the issue of immigration and then the republicans pivoted in the 2000s you know the bush type of republicans into being more um sensitive and empathetic to the rights of of immigrants um whether undocumented or not, they were at least trying to address these issues in a bipartisan way. And so, you know, now it's like those who are are are, are, are still pushing this myth of, you know, fears of the border, obviously we have an administration that's still dealing with uh, issues at the border specifically. It's, it's coming from the far right. And so in terms of like where the political spectrum is when it comes to everything related to immigration, I just don't understand how Democrats in the Senate in particular, who really are not going to lose much. It's not like they're up for election every two years. I don't understand why this is a risk. This doesn't seem like a political risk. Most Americans support this. I don't understand. What is their justification?
2: Well, let's talk about Republicans for a little bit, because I think you bring up a good point in the shift that has happened to the Republican Party. In 2008, and 2013, you had Republican senators like Marco Rubio from, you know, my home state of Florida. You had Lindsey Graham, who were pro-immigration bills. They were Mm pro-citizenship. They were pro-things like the DREAM Act and, and protecting immigrant young people. You know, immigrant young people have always had the support of both parties. We've never been beholden to a party. I think we've been really good at messaging and making the case that, like, we needed to be protected. But then you had Trump. Trump began his campaign the day he announced his presidential putting immigrants on the line and saying like I'm gonna go after immigrants and I think that has completely switched his whole party to be very racist and anti-immigrant and then we've completely lost the republicans won't even talk about not even DACA but they won't talk about citizenship they won't talk about anything Mm -hmm. things that they supported you know you have Marco Rubio now saying he doesn't support citizenship he represents a state with millions of undocumented immigrants right so it's, it's kind of outrageous where the Republican is. And I think it's important to note that, that they're not coming to the table. And so we've been very clear that our pressure has always been on Democrats. I don't think it's a question about, is it popular? We have the data that, like you said, Americans support it. They want to see it. They believe in citizenship. Uh, we have huge popularity um, of DACA and the DREAM Act and all of those things that we've been fighting for for years. It's more of a question of like moral and political will like, do mm-hmm. Democrats have what they need to do this year? And it's not just immigration. It's Build Back Better in general. You know, I often ask myself, like, what are they expecting to go to voters in tw- in the midterms? What are they going to tell voters that they did this year? And right. look, as an immigrant myself, I obviously I care about citizenship. I need I deserve citizenship. But I'm also worried about other things in Build Back Better, the climate provisions that are mm-hmm. so important for the future of our country. I'm worried I'm worried about voting rights. You know, we, January 6th, we just marked it yesterday, a year nothing has been done on the side of Democrats to protect our democracy. I left a country whose democracy was on the brink and now I'm in another country where our democracy is on the brink again. And I think it's really important for us to understand that Mm -hmm. like it's not just immigration, it's all of these key issues that all people care about that would benefit us all, right? Healthcare provisions, um, parental leave, like all of these things that are really, really popular with the voters and Democrats have to deliver in order to make the case for why they should continue to be in power beyond
1: 2022. Um, I mean, it, it it is jarring to me because we've we've seen the photos of so many Democratic leaders and people who are thinking about running for president and did run for president go to the border, call out the humanitarian crisis at the border under Donald Trump, called out uh, the Muslim ban, and and. Yet, once they took office, in some ways, I mean, with Kamala Harris in particular, going down to Guatemala and standing up next to someone who is an authoritarian light, elected, you know, leader of Guatemala, but very Trumpian, and saying, you know, stay home. It's just, it's it's tone, it's it's not even just that it's not, it's tone deaf. How can you be on tone, right? You know, how can you have an ear for what's happening under the Trump administration, but suddenly once you're in power, you're tone deaf. And I wanna believe that there is some other thing that's, that's it's like, you know, that they are doing whatever they can to, uh, to address the border crisis. I do believe that, but the way that they're handling it and messaging it makes me feel like this is an administration and the leadership of the democratic party is just like pretend it doesn't exist and it doesn't exist even if they are working with but when you don't actually address the issue, it makes it harder to fight as an activist, right? Like, like you guys for issues that are life or death in the BBB. So it's, I mean, all these things are connected is essentially what I'm saying. And, and I, and if you're not going to take a stand on one of these issues that you were vocally against, you know, four years ago, then how do we know we're going to, you know, you're going to stand with us, um, on issues that are in your existing bill,
2: right? I think the thing about immigrant young people, I'll say, no, is that we're really resilient. You know, mm-hmm. we I was thinking back to my life in the U.S. I've lived here 22 years. I've been told no a lot of times, right? When mm-hmm. I was in high school, I was told I wouldn't go to college because I was undocumented. Mm-hmm. When I was in college and had DACA, I, would told, I was told I was, wasn't going to get a job. Um, under the Trump years, we were told we were going to lose DACA. Mm-hmm. And we fought all the way to the Supreme Court. And we won in 2020 when everyone told us we wouldn't be able to do it. We took to the streets when children were being ripped from the arms of their parents with other millions of American citizens. Mm -hmm. We really believe in the discipline of hope, right? Our parents sacrificed so much to give us a better life, to migrate to this country under horrendous conditions. And we really believe in a future where all people can live and thrive, no matter your immigration status, no matter the color of your skin, no matter who you love, all of these things. That's the future we believe in. Mm -hmm. And we believe we have to get there and that there's a lot of changes to our democracy that have to happen in order for us to get there. And so I think for me, what's sitting with me is like, this is not just about immigrant justice, but the bigger picture is racial justice. Yes. And the fact of the matter is that immigration is a racial justice issue because the folks that are migrating here and the folks that are here without citizenship are mostly black and brown right. and right. low income, right? And so right. that's a fight we have to do together. We can't keep fighting on these separate issues. It can't just be, we're fighting here for immigration, climate change here, voting rights here we as a a movement, a progressive movement, have to be really united in the fight ahead because Mm -hmm. it's not just about 2022. We are potentially could see Trump run again in 2024. And what would that mean for our people, the people that were marginalized under Trump? It was black and brown people who suffered the most under a Trump administration. And so my hope and the the hope that immigrant young people have, because we're not giving up. Like I said, we've been told no. The parliamentarian told us no three times. We're not taking it. We're going to go and continue pushing for it. I think the Democrats should really look at us, young people, black and brown people who've been taken to the streets, borrow courage from us, mm. get, You know, get inspired by what people have been doing, get inspired by the people in Georgia who on January 5th, 2021, gave you a majority in the Senate, mm-hmm. right? Get inspired by those people, stop chasing moderate voters, stop chasing Republican voters who are never gonna come back to your party, like right. follow the leadership of the people The voters that put you in power follow the leadership of young people who are fighting for these issues so that we can have a better country for our generation and future generations that's who the democrats need to be listening to and need to be fighting for um that's the future of our country and so i haven't lost hope we are going to keep fighting we have actions coming up in the next few weeks we are you know doing everything we can to not let democrats just walk away we're not going to allow them to say like well sorry mansion didn't let us pass build back better it is what it is. Like, we're we're not taking that. I right. also want to share that, like, the people of West Virginia want the same things yes. I want in New Jersey, the same That's things you right. want in Florida, the same people things want in California. Like, let's stop acting like Joe Manchin lives in a state where the his people that he represents don't care about the things that are in Build Back Better. That's false. And so I think it's on Democrats to be given the power that they were given and actually show us. Show us what it means to be an elected official. You should be fighting for this every day. Why are they on vacation right now still? Why are they not in session? We're all working. You should be working too, right? And they keep
1: telling everybody
2: to go back to work. On top of it all, it's like, you're not even back to work. Right. Come so on. It's like, yeah, exactly. And I think, look, you'll see our young people aren't giving up. I'm really, when I look at Gen Z, you know, I'm a millennial, but I look at our Gen Z members and I'm like, God, I'm so inspired by like the tenacity they have and the clear vision they have for the future Um, and we're not giving up and we're going to continue to fight whether you you know folks at united we dream action we're going to be working with sunrise we're going to be working with all the folks that like the progressive movement that are actually fighting for a better vision for our country and look i I think hopefully some good things will happen this year um, but i know that at the end of the day we're the leaders of the, Mm -hmm. the next generation of this country and so that makes me feel really hopeful um, You know the other thing about this, just to go back to the point about Republicans,
1: is this is a pro. If 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 it's going to be about you know the bottom line and what's you know what does Joe Manchin speak to, this is something that the business community supports. I mean. It, Multiple, whether it's tech companies who rely on immigrants, you know, they overwhelmingly so. Um, you know, this is Mark Zuckerberg made it an issue of his at one point. You know, right. he's a little tied up on other things right now, but uh, politically, he at least was willing to to make that stand. And, and so many other um, leaders in business understood that having a pathway to citizenship is good for business. So I think at the end of the day, you're right. It is about black and brown people, and this is you have a bunch of racists. I'll say it. Who are dictating the terms of of what moves forward, under the guise of it's it's something that like you know is pro business or whatever, but it's not. I mean, everybody sees that this is good for America. It's always been good for America. The number you know, one group of individuals that are entrepreneurs are immigrants, and that's good for the economy. You know that I, it's I... so. I think if we're to look at the map right now, okay. So you have you have Joe Manchin, who's the obvious one, but who? what other lawmakers are really dragging their feet uh, on the democratic side
2: that we could, uh, you know, hold their feet to the fire and help you out? I mean, I think, you know, when you look at a state like Arizona and, and Senator, um, oh my gosh, uh, cinema, Kristen cinema. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
2: I think she's someone that if you look at, um, you know, she was elected, um, by a lot of Latino voters in Arizona, they put her in power. She, you know, I've heard stories of her going to marches in Arizona and supporting immigrants rights Um, And I know she supported a lot of other issues that are part of build back better. And she has, um, you know, not been um, eager to move on it. Um, Now she has all of these different stipulations that she wants. And I know a lot of attention has been on mansion these last few weeks, but I do think she's someone that has to continue to be pressured and to continue to be reminded, like, these were the issues that we, that the voters elected you on literally like like literally in Arizona. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. These are the things, these are the people that you represent. You don't represent Republicans, moderate Republicans, they didn't vote for you. Like, you know, working class people, black and brown, Latinos, young people voted for you. They put mm-hmm. you in power. These were the things you told us, you told the voters you cared about. These are the things that we want you to do now. So I definitely think that she's someone who um, a lot of her constituents will continue to pressure. Um, and, you know, and I think when you are thinking about the future, we really have to think about like, who are the people we want in these elected seats? Like who, mm-hmm. what kind of people do we want? And so I think, you know, if you're an American citizen and you're thinking like, oh, my gosh, like this person doesn't represent me. Think about running. Like, what is that? You know, we should have more working class people um, be able to run to represent our communities. I think that's really, really important because it does make a huge difference when you look at some of the local and state um, officials who have an immigrant background or who are Latinx or they you know, push for things that are going to make their communities better. And I think more of the American citizens need to think about that. Like who are the folks in your own neighborhood who make a big difference. I mean, under COVID, that has been a huge thing, right? Just like my ability to go get a COVID test is impacted by my mayor in Jersey city, right? So me knowing my mayor and being able to push my mayor to do things, those are things that are really important. So local politics, I think is a, Republicans are good at this too. They're really good at getting in power in these local and state seats. And I think that um, the progressive movement um, needs to, you know, be pushing for that as well because we really want to have people who, when they're in power, they're representing their constituents, not wealthy donors, not major corporations. Bruna, I y- y- music to my ears. Uh,
1: so if you hear that, guys, run! Don't wait for someone to ask you. Don't wait for you know some some organization to recruit you. Running for local office is much much more achievable than these bigger. Uh, you know, congressional seats also important, but, you know, school boards, city councils, town councils, state Senate assembly, you know, state reps that that's where the action's happening right now. And the Democrats have clearly, uh, taken their eye off of local politics. So, you know, let's not wait for them. We have to, this, this impacts our lives. And Senator Sinema was part of the legislature in Arizona, and she was a very different type of legislator when she joined as many people note, but, um, I mean, she she understands power because she worked her way through power and knows how the lovers work. But we can also do that. <laughs> that's not something that's unique to to centrist and and pro business Republicans. Um, Bruna, thank you so much for joining us. Bruna Salad, go check out uh, UWDA and the work that they're doing. Support in whatever you know capacity you can. We'd love to have you back on United We Dream. Action is the political uh, side of United We Dream. And uh, Bruna, just keep up the amazing fight and and let us know how things go. Keep supporting you. Thank you. All right, guys, it is a new year and many resolutions are on my bucket list for the year. Uh, I have been really intentional about my health and wellness lately, as I'm sure many others have. That also includes sleep. I am a notoriously horrible sleeper. Uh, I don't know if notorious. I talk about it. I'm not like everyone knows that. Uh, I wear one of these little apps, these these, uh, devices on my wrist to monitor my sleep and my steps. But one thing that I've noticed, because you can measure it, is that when I take Sunset Lake CBD, I do the tincture before I go to bed, especially the one with melatonin now because they have the combination. The melatonin helps you go to sleep. The CBD helps me stay asleep. And I have delicious dreams also. just They can't monitor that, but I always wake up and I'm like, keep it going. This is such a lovely dream. And then I forget about it, obviously. But uh, Sunset Lake CBD has been so transformative in my life and so many other uh, friends and family members as well. It is a farmer-owned company that ships craft CBD products directly from their farm in Vermont to your door. They have all types of products. They have salves and coffee. So you wake up and you don't get jittery. My mom loves that. There are gummies, which are delicious, uh, except I take all of them at once, so don't do that. There are tinctures. There are salves and lotions. They're an incredible company, and everything that you're doing when you support them is supporting rural communities and a good company that supports their workers. Uh, The employees of Sunset Lake CBD own the majority of the company, and their minimum wage is $15 an hour. And On top of all that, they support shows like our show and The Majority Report and The David Pakman Show. Really, a lovely company. Um, Sam has just been incredible with us and in, in supporting our show from the beginning. So I, I just, I, when I say I love a product, I can't lie. <laughs> There's no other way of saying it. Um, I do like use everything I can, and so do my family members. So you too can be an advocate of Sunset Lake CBD. Go to sunsetlakecbd.com, and you will get twenty percent off of your entire order if you type in me, N-O-M-I. N-O-M-I sunsetlakecbd.com and type in no mean. you'll get 20% off of your entire order. Definitely great for the new year. Always doing deals. Make sure to sign up. They're sending, they have a newsletter, they have sales all the time. And again, just the best CBD product I've ever used. Probably the only one that I've actually liked. So I highly recommend. All right. We will be right back with Kate Bricolet to talk about The Jelaine Maxwell case. I know I'm getting your messages, people. I know you want to know more because, you know, media is not covering it enough or in depth enough. Well, we have Kate Berkeley, a friend of the show, friend for a while, I guess now. Uh, She's going to give us the updates. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back to the Nomi Key Show. I know you guys have been asking for it. Uh, We are doing, starting off the new year, covering one of those cases that everybody's talking about, Jelaine Maxwell. Kate Bricolet uh, is a senior reporter with the Daily Beast. She has covered crime and corruption for the Daily Beast, and she's also appeared in many documentaries. I've noticed. who's the one I I watched the Epstein one recently, and she popped up, and I was like, "Oh, it's Kate, love it." <laughs> <laughs> she's been on Forty Eight Hours, American Greed, Dateline. You have like, if I can say so, like the sexiest reporting gig. Wow, it's, thank you. It's, it's fun. It's it's fascinating. It's covering like powerful people and corruption, and and this trial must be. Like, is there ever a boring day in the trial?
3: You know, there wasn't. Uh, Every day of this trial brought something new, uh, some bombshell or piece of the puzzle. And so this was an exciting one to cover. I think a lot of us are shocked it's over now. And as I'm sure you've read, (laughs) a little over a week later, uh, the saga continues.
1: Okay, so let's, without bearing the lead, um, the state of the trial, there's some news about there potentially being a mistrial, um, so let's start with that and then kind of rewind if we can about like what the convictions were. So, so sure. what, so what happened last week?
3: So um, soon after the trial wrapped up, a juror has uh, gone on sort of a media tour, describing what it was like uh, during the negotiations and how his personal experience. Um, basically persuaded some of the jurors who were skeptical um, of the victims to uh, come to the other side. So now uh, some people believe that uh, the verdict is in jeopardy. And uh, because this juror did not Mentioned on his jury questionnaire that he had a a past history of sexual abuse, that he had experienced sexual abuse himself. You know, at jury selection, uh, the reporters that were there, including myself, we saw uh, quite a few people who had answered that question uh, be dismissed from the jury. And so if you're Glenn Maxwell's legal team, uh, you're going to argue, hey, this guy never said he had experienced sexual abuse in the past. Now he's coming forward in media interviews saying that he did so. You know, does this mean that Galen got an unfair trial at this point? Does it mean mm. that if he wasn't on the jury, that she might have been acquitted? That's what they're arguing. And I think we're kind of surprised also that they're arguing for a retrial. I mean, if you were Galen, <laughs> would you want to risk oh it God. all over again? Um, I Some of the victims lawyers that I've spoken to have said, you know, fine, if there's a retrial, there's probably going to be more witnesses lined up against her that they right. know of other people. Um, who's since come forward, since the verdict, who, would, who said, I will testify against Gillen So wow. it, it's funny that she would want to risk a retrial, but that might be all she has. Or perhaps they're going to use um, this juror's comments as ammo uh, as part of their appeal. I mean, as soon as the verdict came down, you know, hours later, uh, Gillen's lawyer, Bobby Sternheim, came outside, wished everybody a happy new year, said she was disappointed with the verdict, but that they were currently working on the appeal. So what's next in this case? I don't know. I think the jurors' comments and, you know, legal experts saying that this puts the verdict in jeopardy, it's just another twist in this whole case.
1: I mean, I I was talking about this with David, our producer, earlier today. Um, So let's pretend, and I I understand you're not a, a legal expert, you're reporting on this, but I'm curious if this kind of argument has brought up. So it's one thing to not disclose that you are a sexual assault, assault survivor. And and from what I understand, there may have been others on the jury who also did not. Um, but another thing I, I was thinking was, okay, so say there is a case in which uh, there was sexual harassment in the workplace, right? And the person that was being prosecuted for some, um, you know, sexual harassment uh, situation, they... If you're a woman who has worked in the world and you're asked that question, what are you gonna take that person off of the jury? I mean, it's it it doesn't make sense. So why is it that this this one situation can inform and others are not? Like how how do they decide which questions could potentially affect a jury's mindset? Well,
3: you know, all of the jurors, all of the prospective jurors had to fill out a jury questionnaire. And the question said, have you or a family member or a friend experienced sexual abuse, assault, harassment? And then there were some follow-up questions that said, would this impact your ability to be impartial in the case? And according to reports, we don't know exactly what's happened yet. There hasn't been an inquiry, uh, but this guy reportedly checked no. And then during jury deliberations came forward to say, you know, I experienced childhood sexual abuse. So there's questions as to whether he would even be on the jury if he would have checked yes and answered truthfully, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a chance he, the judge might not have dismissed him. But uh, later on, the prosecutors and the defense have the chance to strike jurors, you know, in what's known as peremptory strikes. So they would have a shot at mm-hmm. Getting him off the jury, had they known that he had experienced sexual assault before? um, And I guess there's questions as to whether that impacted his ability to be a partial juror in this case. Mm -hmm. We don't know. I mean, it's not to say that if you experience sexual abuse that you can't be a juror in a sexual abuse case, but there's just questions as to whether or not he was an impartial juror in this this matter.
1: Um what was she convicted convicted of and what did they and, and and also you know with that being said what was her defense
3: well uh Galen was convicted on five of six charges related to child sex trafficking most notably sex trafficking sex trafficking conspiracy the one charge she was not convicted of was enticing a minor to travel um for illegal sexual activity i think the jury just took issue with the word enticement and whether or not she enticed them, whether she persuaded them, whether she coerced them. I, it just wasn't proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, and if I remember correctly, that um, that charge related specifically to just one victim, uh, Jane. So Ghislaine's argument this entire time has been that she's a scapegoat. She's a stand-in for Jeffrey Epstein. She had nothing to do with his crimes. You know. Gillan's lawyer came out swinging an opening argument, saying that she's being blamed uh, for the behavior of bad men. You know, ever since Eve uh, tempted Adam with the apple, women have been blamed for the bad behavior of men. That's precisely what her attorney told jurors in opening statements. So um, her argument is, uh, I didn't have anything to do with this. I was his employee. I, you know, took care of his homes, etc. I did not take part in the sexual abuse or facilitate the sexual abuse of underage girls. Um, of course the prosecution argued, you were involved in virtually every detail of Jeffrey Epstein's life. How could you not know that this was going on? And not only that, you helped him, uh, abuse underage girls.
1: She was an employee of his, but they were also in a relationship. Um, and then, and then when did they, they did stop talking at one point, like pretty far back. Right
3: well yes i guess their relationship started out romantic and prosecutors made a point of showing that with all of those photos that just flashed on the screen just now um all of their sort of happier days photographs um them kissing hugging gillen giving him a foot massage they were close they were um you know thick as thieves some would say um and eventually the romance and she became his employee, which is uh, obviously unusual, but uh, the prosecution argued they were extremely close. Um, mm-hmm. Gillen says that she left his life, you know, I think sometime in the mid 2000s. So it's unclear, but um, in some of the court records that were released as part of the victim, Virginia Jufre's defamation suit against Gillen, it was clear they were at least in email contact in recent years. Um, So who knows um, how close they were, you know, up until the point that he was arrested.
1: Okay. Now, this is the part where I think folks who are watching this trial are really interested in in knowing is, are we ever going to potentially learn through who knows what channels, um, who some of these folks were that could have, I mean, we know about uh, Prince Andrew and and of course, you know, there's Trump that, but are, are the details going to come out beyond the black book? Are there going to be more experiences shared, more, more folks who come forward? Is there any sort of sense of that right now?
3: Sure. Um, when you speak to victims and victims lawyers, they're arguing this can't be the end. The case can't end with Gillen. Perhaps this is just the beginning, right? People were hopeful that Gillen would try to make some sort of deal and cough up dirt on some of these powerful men, um, including Prince Andrew, who's been a longtime friend of hers, or uh, some political players like Bill Clinton or uh, Donald Trump, who were part of uh, Epstein's inner circle. Um, And I'm not suggesting that they were involved in any of the sexual misconduct, but there were um, many powerful people that were involved with epstein whether financially um or perhaps um as it's been alleged um have taken part in the sexual abuse too so i don't think that this case is over i think there's more to come um the victims are certainly rallying for prosecutors to target other people and perhaps lean on them uh to collaborate and cooperate so yeah we'll see what happens next i guess we have to also get through uh, Glenn's appeal process, but I think victims are hopeful that more uh, charges will come down.
1: Um, Let's talk about the money a little bit, because it's been very confusing uh, for, I think, a lot of folks to understand where the money was coming from. I mean, we've read reports, and I think you report on this quite a bit, about how Epstein's money just was Suddenly he was wealthy <laughs> and and you know, were were they using fronts to move money? Like it was this an actual operation that was being financed. I guess like we're just trying to figure out structure, like how how did this operate? Was the goal to be a sex trafficking um group uh financed through some other entities? Was there some sort of foreign aspect here? I mean, there have been a lot of conversations about him potentially working for a foreign government, collecting information on on leaders and powerful, um, you know, business leaders as well. Do we have any sense of how this enterprise worked? You know... We only
3: know what we see now, and that's the tip of the iceberg. I think this is one of the most enduring mysteries of the Jeffrey Epstein scandal is where did his money come from? We know that limited brands chairman, uh, Victoria's Secret, uh, Honcho, uh, Les Wexner, had basically given Epstein a massive portion of his wealth and uh, transferred uh, the title to his property uh, in Manhattan, his Manhattan townhouse to him. you know, and Les Wexner was Epstein's only known client for a while. Most recently, we're hearing about billionaire Leon Black paying Epstein millions and millions of dollars and allegedly for financial services. Right. So if these two powerful billionaires are leaning on Epstein uh, for financial services, there must be more people out there. I think um, the sex trafficking is only one part of what Epstein was doing Um so the finances are still a big mystery i think people were hoping some of that stuff would be revealed at maxwell's trial um but it wasn't so people who uh were hoping to learn more about the vast conspiracy and the finances were disappointed right um i think that this is a mystery that still needs to be unsolved Perhaps it will be through civil suits. Perhaps prosecutors are exploring this angle. I mean, there's been questions about the fact that, well, uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, public corruption unit has been handling this case. Are public officials complicit here? Are, you know, is there more to this story? And we think so. Perhaps prosecutors are taking this one uh, defendant at a time. Uh, We don't know.
1: And in terms of foreign... Aspects. What what are people? Uh, what's been floated out there in terms of? I know that that uh, Maxwell's father, you know, he he had his own backstory when it came to Israeli government. Does that overlap with this? You know, I can't
3: say this definitively. I just know there's been rumors swirling about uh, perhaps Epstein and Maxwell uh, being involved with Israeli intelligence. There's also been um, things floating out there about Epstein being involved with the CIA. Uh, One of Epstein's former um, bodyguards and uh, drivers had said that he actually was sent to CIA headquarters to drop off or pick up a book or something. And that was a strange story. I think that was detailed in one of the victim's lawyers books, uh, Brad Edwards' book, He said that this man was sent to CIA headquarters for something, which is pretty unusual. Um, There are questions as to how well connected Epstein was and if that branched into the intelligence world. And we don't know yet.
1: I'm so curious what the book was. Do you know?
3: Ah, uh, Brad Edwards' book.
1: Um, no, the it's... book that they picked up at the. Uh... Oh, the
3: book that they picked up. I don't know. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was not elaborated on. But you know, this former employee of Epstein was was terrified of him. And, I uh, understand, right? <laughs> and if you try to contact him now, I mean, he he will not talk to you. He doesn't want anything to do with it. it he basically has said, "Be careful of these people." So, wow. Um, I think. That's How are you feeling? I'm
1: as a reporter who's been covering this. I mean, it's, it, and and, and there's, this, there's like a whole other story about the people who are in the courtroom too. I mean, you've been covering this. Have you been in the courtroom the whole time?
3: Well, because of COVID, there are very few courtroom seats. I did get into the courtroom one day, but the rest of us, uh, a large portion of the press and public were watching this from overflow rooms on a video screen, which was interesting because um, you can actually see Maxwell at her table um, as opposed to, you know, a view behind her. Um, And um, it certainly has been a wild ride. Um, Every day Glenn came to court, she was very uh, huggy and handsy with her lawyers. Um, very affectionate with her lawyers. Um, and they truly believe that she's innocent and are standing by her. Wow.
1: Okay. Last question. Uh, cause there's just so much here. What was the deal with her sketching the sketch artist? This is insane. What does she do? Is this like a psychological game?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I, I have, I don't even know what to say about that. I think it feels <laughs> like a psychological game to some of us. Um, you would think she wouldn't be very bored sitting in the hot seat when her life is on the line. Right. Um, it feels like a psychological power play, but, but who knows? Um, I had also read a report that her family had hired, um, some other courtroom sketch artists to paint her in a more flattering light. I don't know if that's true. Um, but yeah, this trial seemed to have a, a lot of, um, stories about the country, this courtroom sketch artists. And um, who, who knows why Ghislaine was was drawing these people. But uh, hopefully, we won't have to find out in a retrial. Hopefully, right. um, this, we're nearing the end of this particular case and moving on to some other ones.
1: And she's on suicide watch right now. Is that? Is that a real thing?
3: Uh, You know, she's been on suicide watch, as far as I know, from the moment she entered the prison, um, which is why she's complained about her conditions behind bars, saying that it's been invasive. Um, Guards have she's said some serious things, you know, uh, she hasn't had um, decent food. Her food has had maggots in it. They're shining flashlights in her eyes. You know, every 15 minutes she can't sleep. Um, There was a photo, I I don't know if you remember earlier this year, that they released and it showed her having sort of a black eye in jail. um, And they suggested perhaps it's because she has to shield her eyes from the light. So, you know, according to her, because Epstein um, killed himself in prison, um, they're handling her, you know, much more severely and keeping this invasive eye on her to make sure she doesn't uh, do
1: anything. Really interesting, um, Kate. Yeah, <laughs> you've, you've you've got many years of this work. There's a whole cottage industry that's been that's formed outside of uh, their, you know, industry. Whatever that industry really is. Yeah. Um I can't wait to read your books. I, I'm assuming that you're going to have some amazing book that comes out of this. <laughs> Really right. Uh,
3: we'll see where the saga goes next. Um, we're definitely not done with this story. We're not done with Ghislaine Maxwell yet. We're not done with um, any of the other people that were connected to Epstein. So uh, to be continued. To be continued.
1: Kate Brickley, thank you so much and stay warm. Uh, <laughs> I know it's snowing. I'm not I'm not in New York right now. Folks oh. can't tell. I'm <laughs> uh, well, stay enjoy. Warm. Thank you. Bye. Take care. All right. We will be right back with our incredible panel. Hello, hello. All right. I don't know if you guys know, but uh Matriarch organization is focused right now, hyper focused on taking out these insane right-wingers who are saying that they're going to be running for school boards and for town councils. They're not just any right-wingers, they're proud boys. They have announced proudly that they are going to take on whoever locally and take over your local government. So Matriarch has uh enhanced. Its strategy for 2022, uh, Matriarch is going to be supporting working class women, but not only just supporting them and endorsing them and helping financially, but Matriarch's now doing a series of trainings and making them as accessible as possible for anybody who is currently running for office, any woman, working woman who is currently running for office, thinking about running for office or in office. Because the issues that you face when you're a working woman running are very different than a well funded. Frankly, male candidate, but also a woman. Uh, the issues are, you know, institutional problems. There are a lot of, of roadblocks along the way, financial roadblocks, uh, political roadblocks along the way, if you do not have access to wealth. So we are doing this training to help working women who represent their communities the best, who we need an office, because as we see uh in Washington in particular right now, they're not really uh, practicing what they preach. They say that they're supporting frontline workers, but you know, how's that going right now? Uh, you you don't get any more checks. You don't get any rental support. Cori Bush, one of our founding members, she went in and on day one demanded, uh, demanded that the Capitol Hill rioters be held accountable, and she's still demanding that. She has called for rent relief and brought the protest to the steps of the Capitol. That is the type of leadership we need in every school board, in every city council, town council, state senate, you know, the legislatures, because that's what the Republicans do so well. They are part of a 40-year experiment to invest locally while the Democrats have, of course, pulled back. But we don't need to rely on the Democrats. Frankly, if you're thinking about running, you don't need to rely on anybody. It is much more accessible to run locally than we're told to believe. And we're going to help you. So if you haven't, uh, if, 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 if you haven't made a decision up, no problem. We're doing a free training January 29th this month. You can sign up on Matriarch site. Uh, if you click on the candidate training stick, uh, badge right there on the right hand, if you're looking at the the uh, website right now, matriarchpack.com for our podcast listeners, when you click on that, you can sign up, fill out a form, tell us what you're thinking, how you're feeling, uh, what you're interested in running. And and a little bit about your backstory, and we'll send you an invite to this training. It's going to be super exciting. We have incredible leaders and speakers that are going to be uh, at the training, and you know, just go sign up right now. We're taking uh, we're we're taking those invites. We're taking those uh, signups right now. All right, everybody, we'll be right back with our panel. Hello, hello. Welcome back. We are excited because it's Femme Friday. Did I mention that? I don't know if I mentioned that yet. It's Femme Friday, January 7th, our first Femme Friday of the year. And I could not be more happy than to have some of our favorite guests, Francesca Fiorentini. She's the host of the Habituation Room podcast. And she was, of course, uh, at Newsbroke on a. L- yeah. AJ. How's it going? It's great. How are you? I'm
4: okay. Happy New Year.
1: Thanks, my, my purple you sister.
4: Know. <laughs> you know we can't wear lipstick anymore because masks have canceled lipstick. So um, I'm a pro indoor lipstick user and wearer. Look at my
1: mask right now because I always have it's coated in makeup because I put my mask on after a show. You know it's not like I wear this makeup out there. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm gonna welcome Janelle. Uh, we have Janelle Jolly on who is the host of What's Left to Do, which I've been hey. on and it was so fun. Thanks for joining us. With us.
5: Hey, That's happy awesome. new year everyone. Hi Janelle. Hey, happy new Francesca. year.
1: Thanks for getting up early cuz you're both uh LA based. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um all right, we have a lot of stuff happening right now. I'm going to start off with some good stuff and then mm-hmm. we'll get to the uh End um, of society stuff. So uh, <laughs> you may it. have heard that workers, Starbucks workers, in, <laughs> in, <laughs> Starbucks workers in Buffalo, uh, of course, unionized, and it could lead to many more uh, Starbucks unionizing around the country. I grew up literally in this area and used to go to these Starbucks when I was a kid and drink frappuccinos and study for my biology exams. So solidarity with these workers that um, are really paving the way and saying. Not enough to offer insurance. You actually have to treat us better. Well, guess what? They walked out in Buffalo because nice. there are safety issues dealing with COVID. And uh, these employees at a Starbucks in Western New York—I have to edit that because the Associated Press does not understand Buffalo is not west is not upstate; it's Western. Uh, <laughs> they voted to G- you know, last month. They are saying that staff um, has not been provided. With the resources to work safely amid, of course, surging COVID nineteen, um, I'm 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 glad on one hand that like people are starting to understand how workplace safety is tied into labor. It's not just like, you know, increased pay means like your Starbucks is going to be more expensive. Um, let's do a temperature check here. How are we feeling about the labor movement? Let's start with Fran.
4: <laughs> uh i'm feeling really good about it i think we need more i think you know we on the left are so excited to be like this is it you know the the class war is on tomorrow capitalism crumbles no you know there's it's gonna be a lot slower than that and folks have to get involved and find ways to support locally um but when starbucks falls and amazon is shaking like you know, look out. So this is exactly why you have a, you know, a union is so that you can say, no, we cannot safely work right now. If we are to work, we're gonna need a lot more guarantees. We got HEPA filters in there. Do we have hazard pay? Like what's it looking like? What are the conditions of work? It's not, oh hey, the CDC is like, you should go back to work. I'm not gonna give up my shift. No, that's bs. Um so I feel hopeful for it, but I also know, it is going to be a long slog, and we can't sort of lull ourselves into thinking that this is an inevitable movement. Labor movement's been on its back heels for a long time, so it's going to require some work.
1: Um, Janelle, I want to hear your temperature check, but, you know, one thing that I, I was really surprised to see recently was that we all thought Striketober, which is continued on, was this, this thing that was just um, – so inspiring and like the labor move is back because of it. But it turns out it's actually just as many strikes as there have been in recent years. It's just now people are reporting on it. Right. They didn't have labor reporters reporting That's right. on them.
5: That's right.
1: uh, but Janelle, what's, what's your temperature check? Let's, let's I
5: see. put it in my veins every time I see a story <laughs> like this. I just, I, I, my eyes roll in the back of my head in ecstasy. Like, please get out of here. Um, <laughs> um, I think that, I think I, I'm, I'm harkening back to an interview I did with Alex Press of Jacobin Magazine uh, when she, when I was asking her to kind of summarize the moment we're in with labor vis a vis, you know, Striketober and all of these other um, uh, shows of labor militancy. And she, what she was saying was, uh, you know, throughout the pandemic, you know, the fact that uh, essential workers, what we used to call them essential <laughs> workers, um, are are more clear than ever that you know their 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 boss, uh, their job is very willing to sacrifice them in the grist mill of capitalism, and that will that will directly change how you relate to your job and your boss. Uh, and I think that in a weird way, the pandemic was one of the best things that could have happened to the labor movement uh, because it it brought home clearly that you know these people are not your friends, um, and they'll and they'll subject you to whatever conditions. Um, uh, that That they want to you know keep the bottom line, uh so every time I see a story like this, or I live in san francisco the the teachers um staged a sick out yesterday because uh the district wasn't listening to their demands about safely reopening the schools during the surge um Good. so every every kind of baby step to what Francesco was saying, every baby step to a more organized um demanding militant um labor. Uh, show of labor I I couldn't get enough of but I I expect to see more of this uh, in 2022 as you know Omicron continues to go nuts you know we got the new bonjour variant out of you know fucking France that's who knows how bad that's going to be but you know as long as seems so
1: friendly guys bonjour And, and French are not known for being so friendly.
5: <laughs> That's right, um, but I expect to see more of this in multi, in, in many different sectors, um, and I think it's I think it's a great sign, especially uh, the especially since we're in a, a midterm year. I think that mm. you know these these can be um, uh, spotlighted um, mm-hmm. during during midterm races to hopefully push mm-hmm. you know uh, liberal candidates more left and pay attention to the demands of labor. So.
1: Um, yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that. It was a great segue because our uh, I, I live in New York and we're just so blessed to have a new mayor who in a lowest turnout Aww. election got a small, small percentage, but beat out everybody else in our new ranked choice voting. And he thinks it was a mandate by the people of New York to bring back conservatism. And yes, yes. Okay. Mayor Adams. Oh, I have to say that. I have to get used to that.
5: That guy's such a clown. God bless. Oof.
1: You know, like, <laughs> I know. I People give so much hate to de Blasio and granted there were some things I was really not happy about but sure, my god yeah. let's just yeah. be real lowest crime rates in the history of New York if right. you want to talk about crime and you know income inequality was staggering he, he was too beholden to real estate and and the police unions of course but you know he did a tremendous amount to alleviate poverty in the city and you know the guy is like I once followed him around for a day, and he ate his panacopita with his knife upside down when he um, cut it. So like, there's something that's a little off. About him, but generally speaking, is that like, is, it's that, just so is easy that on the lines
4: like of like it's like Klobuchar, you know, using a, a comb <laughs> to eat her salad like at that <laughs> so level. There's something weird about politicians and their utensils. <laughs>
1: who knows it's like a sign but anyway still can't believe that they're not more in touch with the people when they don't even know what utensils it's like the cost of milk Uh used to be a thing now it's like you use a comb to eat a salad yeah yeah
4: calm down let's get forks right first then we can move on (laughs)
1: um (laughs) oh my
5: god all right yeah so eric adams
1: toned
4: he's also very new york sorry i just not new york very new york but there's a There's like it's he's like if the show if the song New York by Jay Z and Alicia Keys like if someone listened listened to that too much, (laughs) and then they were just like constantly walking around with like weird (laughs) swagger and and with for no with no reason.
1: Let's 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 play this clip because uh, he's been in office for barely a week and he already and this is the guy wait just a reminder sorry i could talk about this all day long i love i love new york politics when it goes really crazy Mm -mm. this is a guy who ran pro-union and made a point of i mean more so than probably a lot of the other candidates of saying i'm with the workers he's a former republican cop don't forget but let's let's play this clip because out of touch much
0: and I'm still getting my salary, then you are not helping those New Yorkers that need us to come in. So I want I want my businesses in this city to come up with a closer deadline and say we're going to start placing our toe back in the water, come in for two days, to for three days, and then let's get the city back up and operating. But to say we're
4: just going to revisit this in April, that, that, that's too long for you. That's
0: I, it, you, you know, January, February, March, April, four months of not having this business patronized, not having a restaurant patronized, not having business travelers come here to the city to go to our hotels, that is going to be devastating for our economy. And I don't know if my businesses are sharing with their employees, you are part of the ecosystem of this city. My low-skilled workers, my cooks, my dishwashers, my messengers, my shoe-shine people, those who work in do- Dunkin Donuts, they cannot, they don't have the academic skills to sit in a corner office. They need this. We are in this together. And we should be saying to ourselves, if I remotely do my job, then that stock clerk is not going to be able to have the business he, des- he deserves. That's what I need us to understand. This is not a separate thing. To get through this, we have to get through this to get together. I need them to shorten the span. Mm.
1: Okay. So just, I, my favorite tweet on this was, these comments were so batshit crazy that we like didn't even comment on that sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> His sweatshirt is a little, <laughs>
5: <laughs> a Little busy. I just
1: had to get that out of the way. L-
4: l- a lot, a lot happened. Yeah, this—it's like some like save by like the 90s. Bell. Like, if, if like COVID nineteen happened during Save by the Bell, someone like Screech comes to school. <laughs> He's like, we gotta, everyone gotta participate. You're like, whoa, <laughs> it's Screech over uh,
5: Yeah. Start with doing the... right, too okay.
1: much. Uh, let's let's get down to it here uh all right janelle you lived in new york how you feel about this guy yeah okay so
5: previously i said put it in my veins this i want <laughs> i want you to keep it out of my veins i mean the i understand the point that he was trying to make though he made it sloppily but 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 the part about the low scale the, the 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 what do you call the, the the workers without the academic training to like have uh, work from home job let's put that aside for a second what he's in effect um telling new yorkers and people who work in new york is that like hey you know what health isn't that important but what is important is that on your lunch break or before or after work you're running around the city making purchases and that's how we are going to get through the pandemic which obviously couldn't couldn't be like Further from Sensical, mm-hmm. um, so, it's, it's, but I mean that's 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 how a lot of our um, federal, state, city leaders are thinking. But 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 what I don't get two years, almost three years into this, is how they're how they're not connecting the fact that uh, you know keeping 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 the economy humming um, or prioritizing that above public health. Just prolongs this fucking thing that we're in, and we so we we keep going in circles. But if I I I wonder what would happen if you know you know big city mayors, little city mayors, medium city mayors, you know municipal workers, if they if they had the foresight to band together and lobby Congress, like, hey, we need some more relief because we're we're going to need. We're going to need relief so that, you know, workers can safely stay home from work and, and um, and and uh, you know, clear the virus from their systems. We're going to need uh, more money to temporarily, uh, you know, arm school systems with the equipment to, to give students for distance learning for a moment. We're not saying forever. But if you if you really want things to go back to normal, we're going to need we're going to need the interventions from the state to be able to to resource people. For time to stay home so that we can we can do that but you know that's off the table so so now we're just browbeating every we're we're pitting worker against worker um and blaming them for you know you know the devastation caused to one another and it drives me crazy because at this point we know better but you know this you know he's he adams wasn't put on the scene in new york to you know be a sensical a sensical figure. He was there to protect the capital interests uh, present in New York, and that's exactly what he's doing. But this is nuts.
0: Yeah, I'll just jump in. I, I don't
4: know if, if no, Miki, if we lost her for a second, but uh, and say that you know, it doesn't help that the president himself, right, this is supposed to be a new administration, a new approach to COVID, you know, six months in, or even three months in, people were like, all right, looks like we're doing things a little bit different, you know, passed the American rescues plan. uh, And And now we are just getting Trumpism with a capital D Democrat next to it. Right. This is. And so, like, you know, this week it jumped off with Biden saying this is not a federal problem to solve. This is on the states. So, of course, you got Eric Adams up there. And, yeah, he sounds like a total clown. And it is so pathetic that we're basically, like you said, pitting workers against one another. But at the same time, from the top of the leadership of, of the party, it, that's what it is. It's that's, that's right. everybody, you know, you know, sort of survival of the fittest type shit. That's right. that's and, right. you know, in terms of in terms of the New York's economy, it is it is incredible because after I lived there for a while and like you go back and you're like, oh, this city runs on exploitation like that's, that's it. all it does it that's is just it. a city it's like oh the city that never sleeps oh yeah the city that is not allowed to sleep because right. people or allow are their workers ex- to sleep <laughs> right exactly they're that's on it. burning both ends of the yeah. of the candle here that's and right. and so and so it's just like okay but isn't there another model for new york and it is sad you know someone who i my god thank god he's not mayor but even the attractiveness of someone like Yang saying, mm-hmm. you know, New Yorkers deserve a universal basic income, right. that was attractive for a reason. People That's are right. hustling and
5: struggling in that right. city. There was also a press conference he did, it was either the day before this or two mm-hmm. days before um, that that i, I don 't know I might have had an aneurysm um, because wh- like what are we doing He was because he he got up to the lectern and he was like, you know finally, the city of New York has a mayor with swagger that like that <laughs> means something for the people of new York like it's, I'm I'm sorry, but you know, swagger is not I guess. But like, New also, what about uh, what about governance? I don't give a fuck about your swagger, dog. Like, get out of here.
0: When a mayor has swagger, the city has swagger. <laughs> <laughs> We've allowed people to beat us down so much that all we did was wallow in COVID. That's all we did, and we no longer believed. This is a city of swagger. This is a city of resiliency, and all of these messages out there of what is going to happen, what is going to happen, we're going to survive. And you know what
5: else that stock clerk, uh, you, yeah. what else the, the office worker should be stay, saying about this? Like, what he should have said is like, you know, we we really need the federal government to understand that we need some some income support, some temporary income supports uh, for people who work outside of the home, because what I need, what I need people to understand is if, is that if you are not, if you're not able to, if you are able to work from home and you're still out and out, you know, breathing other people's air, that is endangering the lives of that stock clerk and endangering their ability to continue to earn a living. So mm-hmm. that's why I need everyone to understand that we're in this together. Like take it, take it, take it to the top where the, where the solutions, where the actual relief is. Don't, Don't 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 filter it down to some like uh, internecine kind of um, infighting between, you know, workers who work from home and and workers who cannot like that's.
4: No, yeah, it's it's utter BS. It's it is this weird trickle down theory of like a city's economy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And public, I mean, to say nothing of public health, which he didn't. So it's like, I guess his shirt is doing the heavy lifting when it comes to public health, because he was not talking about the safety of those stock clerks. He's not talking about the safety of the so-called unskilled workers, which honestly saying unskilled, is just like in the year 2021, the
5: disrespect.
4: yeah. And it's like, it's like, don't say that anymore. Like, stop no. saying that it's, it's no. something that maybe politicians 10 years ago was okay to say, if right. ever it was okay to say, right. it's definitely not okay to say now you can like show there is a hell of a lot of skill That's in right. being a line cook. That's
5: right. And if it were so, and if it were so unskilled, the whole of society would not depend on their labor to function. So like, so maybe not. Like maybe yep. don't do that, uh, Mr. Adams. He did have an interesting, um, although, though I'm cynical and, and cautious, he did have an interesting um, uh, announcement or or wishful declaration this week about uh, wanting uh, New Yorkers to have a three day work week. Um, do we have that mm. clip, David?
6: Could 2022 be the year? New York's mayor, Eric Adams, is proposing
7: a three-day work week. That, he thinks, will get people back to New York City offices. And he wants this program done, completed, within the next three weeks. Man of action.
5: So... I, so I have I have questions and in mm-hmm. full transparency I, I haven't read closely on this so I, I have no idea what the contours of this are supposed to be but what what power does he have to jawbone businesses private or you know public agencies private businesses or public agencies to like instituting a three day work week when as you said previously like New York is just a twenty four hour labor hustle that everyone mm-hmm. is un- exploited under you understand what I'm saying like how what's going on here what's the
4: yeah he's kind of like it's like he's a new mayor and he thinks that it comes with like a magic wand and he just like waves it around and like his police officers police homeless people in the subway and then his stock clerks get back to work and then his blue collar or white collar workers stop working from home like i don't know what he thinks this is but you do need a certain amount of buy-in look Mm -hmm. i'm all in favor of a three-day work week i love that i i love it even more than i love a four-day work week (laughs) shit let's go i mean i thought we were talking about four. But three is great. But yeah, are you meeting with business leaders? Are you meeting with even local business? Like, is there any money to support mom and pop shops right. who you just got done talking about are struggling? Right. Are you going to support them in their efforts to help workers have a three day work week? Like, mm-hmm. And again, let's be real about who he is it sounds like he's talking about, right? Mm -hmm. It's very clear that eh, the line cooks and the stock workers and those people are over here, you know, and the homeless people, they're over here, but Mm -hmm. the real people, you know, the the ones with full autonomy, those are the the white collar workers, the office workers, like that's who he's talking about, right? right? That's what but he's like, saying. Like, stop staying at home with your kids. Go into the office. That's right. That's what he's saying. Yeah. So it's like, okay, three day work week, but for who? Because right. it's sure not going to start with city employees. That's not the proposal, right? Um, right. I, I mean, I, just, I will eat my words if he says, "Oh yeah, all city employees three day work right. week."
5: Exactly. But and and it's also like again, if if this if all if. If the only reason you're um, you're you're trying to contrive this three-day work week scheme, which I'm with you, of course I stay on a three-day work week. Um, you know, let's, let's keep those numbers <laughs> going down actually. Like yeah. let's abolish work. But if you're only if you're if your only reason for suggesting that is to get people back in the office again, like uh, during, during the height of, of COVID, which, you know, we've never, we, we don't know where the top of this is. Mm -hmm. That's only, that's only prolonging the thing that you've been bitching about. Um, and, and, and in a roundabout way, only, you know, prolonging the suffering of uh, those that work outside of the home. So again, it's just like, do, do the difficult thing. Yeah. Put all of your political capital into doing the difficult thing so that your, the, um, the symptoms of, of, of how, you know we're in this public health crisis, this kind of economic crisis, so those things get uh, straightened out um, over the long term, and not and not and not um, interfered with or or disrupted continually but like yeah he wants to be he's clearly the new
4: mayor and i think this speaks to his personality generally yeah. is like i'm gonna say something really big and get headlines and then le- do nothing <laughs> and i right. and i'm just gonna kind of like throw everything against a wall we're gonna yeah. blue sky this mayorship, That's right. That's and um you know Whatever. It's a, it was a test and run. And then we're gonna vibe
5: and, and then we're just see gonna see how far that takes us.
4: With my swagger. And then I'm <laughs> gonna call the cops <laughs> on somebody, which he did the first day in office. He goes to a subway platform and yes, there was a fight that broke out, like and he could see it, but he calls nine one one and that to me. It just bodes horribly for the rest of this term. And not to get too much on this, Janelle, but I, you know, you live in San Francisco. I used to live in San Francisco. We have ranked choice voting in Mm -hmm. that city as well. I am a huge proponent of ranked choice voting. That being said, the left and progressives have to get smarter about who and how we're running within that uh within that system right because in this case there were way too many people running for mayor in new york and the left needed to coalesce around one or two as ranked choice voting allows you to and that wasn't happening like i always say this but we almost defeated london breed in in san francisco london breed again very pro cop very pro gentrification very uh you know tech industry like like you know let's roll over for them She's the worst, and she, we narrowly lost, but we right. almost got right. Mark Leno. And Mark Leno paired with Jane Kim. They worked That's together. Jane Kim, right. obviously from the Senator Sanders campaign. That's right. I'm sure Janelle, you've interfaced with her. So, like, I've interviewed her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like, I so did. it's. I'm sure, no, Miki, I would love to hear her response to this too. Um, but you know, again, we talked about how she's Carmen San Diego. She's all over the place. But <laughs> <laughs> ranked choice voting comes into this. Oh God, this is the footage of him calling the cops. <laughs>
5: What a narc! Like, get out of here. <laughs> what do you like? What do you think? What do you think people are going to do with, in the absence of like sound leadership, in the vacuum that that leaves, in terms of mm. like organizing people's lives or 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 giving people something, um, uh, some 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 semblance of like uh, sensible leadership to rest on, like the you know that 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 results in you know this. The you know interpersonal aggression and confusion and frustration like what like you 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 you're being elected and and being a dipshit is like is a this is a direct response to that like New Yorkers are fed up like take this as also, a moment to like yeah. reflect maybe and not call the cops on people who are who are just you know also so,
4: you're a former cop and like, you're supposedly the new mayor with swagger. Go down there, bro. Go That's there. Right. That's right. Say and hello, introduce them. yourself. Right. De-escalate. Show That's us what right. police can do. That's or are right. you afraid cuz you don't have a weapon on you?
5: I don't That's know, right. but it doesn't look good. Big Karen vibes, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> the most Karen vibes. That's right. How are you going to be a
4: Karen on your first day in office? Okay.
5: We don't uh,
4: but uh, okay, so we we're, we're co-hosting this show. I love it. Yeah. Um, because th- Congress actually has also introduced a shortening of the work week, but I think they seem a little more uh, intentional and serious about this one. Um, I don't know. Let's let's watch the clip. And we'll see. <laughs> okay. First. I think we've got a clip uh, talk, discussing it.
2: Could 2022 be the year the four day work week becomes a reality? Well, the idea has been gaining more and more support. As Richard Giacobos explains, some members of Congress even getting behind it.
8: We've all had those days—endless hours of non-stop work, be it your desk, on a phone, in a meeting, Monday through Friday. I'm gonna work 13, 13 and a half hours a day, depending on whichever schedule I'm working. Lavita Grubbs is a nurse who sometimes works six days a week just to make a living without enough vacation time. yeah, It's exhausting, but I need the extra cash during this time. But what if LaVita could have a four day work week? It could one day become reality. Progressives in Congress are now pushing for a 32 hour work week, arguing that it works in countries like Japan and Ireland. California Congressman Mark Takano, a member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, introduced the 32 hour work week act in July. The caucus has now formally endorsed the bill. The overwhelming majority of businesses think that business is done on a five-day work week. Flipping to four would be a challenge. Operations, Inc. CEO David Lewis has an HR company based in Connecticut with more than 150 employees. He says although it's doable, a four-day work week could pose a scheduling conflict. You have to have some creative scheduling. You've got to have some overlap. So maybe people have Mondays off and some people have Fridays off. For LaVita, though, she just wants a break. Yes, the four days. Yes, the three days. (laughs) And while those progressive members of Congress push for that bill, the House of Representatives still needs to bring it up for a majority vote before it heads to the Senate for final approval, possibly paving the way for a three-day weekend someday.
5: Oh, that's adorable. Um i'm gonna let you take it first because i might just start spitting nails but go for it (laughs) well first of all
4: the segment ages on a news like perspective is apples and oranges when it comes to interviewing a nurse in the height of another variant surge uh compared to you know a tech worker right Right. Uh, or someone who. Um, ha- can potentially work from home is not dealing with folks every single day. Correct. So just putting that out there. I mean, one thing I've been reading about recently, though, is a lot of the staffing shortages. That are coming from hospitals are on the hospitals right right. these are hospital administrators squeezing as much as they can out of overworked nurses and other staff members and they need to stop and there's been nothing just because we don't have oversight because again we don't have single payer and my god if we ever did there is no oversight so hospitals yeah these are the same fools who buy a piece of equipment that costs whatever, $500 million so they can use it once every month and charge you $500 million for something that you probably didn't even need, you know, like some, so like they are bad faith, they are not good people. And of course they're gonna exploit their own workers. Let's just put that aside. Um, But yeah, Janelle, take the rest.
5: I mean, I mean, color me purple and call me a goddamn mongoose. But you're you're <laughs> trying to tell me that I'm supposed to put my faith in a Congress that 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 has you know done the Lucy and the football trick uh, over the past year more times than I can count. if, if and these people did that with a fifteen dollar minimum wage that you know would directly impact uh, the capital capital owners, the capital class but they're going to go along with a four day work week that I'm supposed to believe that. And I'm supposed to get excited about that. Get out of here. Of course, everyone would like a four day work week, but of course, you know, the commerce club isn't going to allow that. So let's not talk about that. People are already exhausted. People are already tired. What people need in addition to a four day work week is paid time off guaranteed for everyone uh, so that people like this nurse in the clip, aren't you know just running on fumes. They're like who who who's there to look after her and her life? Everyone, she's just expected to throw herself and sacrifice herself for a system that at the end of the day, when if and when her body breaks down, poor thing who's going to be there to take care of her who's going to be there to pay those bills like so mm. don't 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 give people false hope that's a really good order. point
4: yeah if it ever happened it'd be like an opt-in thing for again tech ceos right. to do to get a tax break that's so right. they don't
5: have to pay as much please don't think that you know the the managers the middle managers in tech wouldn't 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 be able to make up that that up that lost productivity by, you know, okay, we're a four-day work week. Well, then you're expected to be on call 13 hours every day for those four days, Jessica. You know what I mean? Like if there is no-
4: Oh yeah, we'll work you even more to the bone. That's right, that's right. I mean, and we started this segment off with talking about the labor movement. And look, the the reason we have a five-day work week and two days of rest is thanks to a militant labor movement. So I don't think we are going to get something like a four or three day work week from the top down. We're going to get it from the bottom up. That's right. And I definitely agree with you that focus on what is currently going on. Now paid time off is an easy way. Man. Ma- right. I mean, fuck, a, fuck a vaccine mandate. Let's talk about a, like a paid sick leave mandate paid, and yes. a paid family leave mandate. You know, I mean, this, these are the things that could greatly improve. That's and, right. and it's, you know, we've turned, Uh, to the dark side of this administration just in the last couple weeks i mean in the last three weeks where it was like okay build back better not happening and now we're in the moment of nah see the pandemic is on you (laughs) it's all on you we can't do anything and we're just like it's like oh well okay all that goodwill and political capital you potentially had you lost it. And that's and we'll it. see. Maybe there's something else, I don't know, that's coming down the pike. Maybe voting rights are going to get passed. They, but they, not they You know what? They, they,
5: who, who cares? Like, you know, I'm, I'm a registered Democrat because I live in California that, you know, so you kind of just have to do that. But by no means am I, you know, a stan of the party, as, you know, most leftists are not. You could but vote the- green,
4: Janelle. What are you talking oh, exactly about? At
5: the top vote of the ticket in the, in the presidential elections. But I'm just saying, like, they had, <laughs> better, like, they had better pull some rabbit... Out of their hat and soon, and there had better be multiple rabbits between now yeah. and November. Because I think, in a segue to the next clip, I I think the it is a mistake, obviously, to you know try and like focus everyone's attention on you know January sixth right now and get everyone in a lather about that at the expense of, you know, having a, um, a cogent plan for. Yeah. COVID, which I, I didn't even look at the numbers today, but we're close to a million new cases a day. So like, and and that's affecting everything and everyone feels crazy. Everyone feels insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 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 and, and I'm not saying January 6th wasn't important, but.
4: But uh, what are you for? Exactly. But what is, what are we pushing for? You right. know, because. And
5: what are we what are we, be, what, are we um, what are we showing our, what, what are we handling with any sort of Competence or capability. Like, don't, mm-hmm. don't, 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 don't emotionally manipulate me about the thing that happened last year when right now you're failing me right now. Sure.
4: Uh, yeah. And especially when the Republican Party uh, is still so beholden to Trump. And of course, we have to talk about Ted Cruz's last stand, very <laughs> short lived last stand. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Um, So here is what he was saying this week on the anniversary of January 6th in in the Senate chamber.
7: An anniversary this week, uh, and it is an anniversary of a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol where we saw the men and women of law enforcement demonstrate incredible courage, incredible bravery, uh, risk their lives uh, to defend the men and women who serve in this Capitol. We are grateful for that courage. We appreciate uh, the selfless sacrifice uh, of the men and women who who keep us safe.
5: Oh, it's now, Frances. You tell me what your thoughts are on this. But it is really fascinating to me to see to see you know died in the wool Republicans be kind of put between a rock and a hard place with you know on one hand trying to. Distance themselves from the the attacks of January 6th, but but also um, do it in a way that kind of reinforces their uh, loyalty or fidelity to law enforcement. Like that's like a that's like a tricky. uh, What do you call it? Tightrope act. um, That's fascinating to watch. But what do you think?
4: Well, it's I mean, and and you can't walk it like that's what they've been trying to do this whole time. They've been trying to thread the needle of Blue Lives Matter, but also I'm going to smack you uh, over you, police officer, over the head with Mm -hmm. this American flag or this Blue Lives Matter flag. Like you can't square that at all. It's it's utter hypocrisy. Ted Cruz was about to vote to not certify the electoral ballot. So Mm -hmm. get the fuck out of here, obviously, with that, (laughs) you know, but 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 like good on him. I mean, I was surprised when I saw this. I was like, oh, okay. You said the T word. He called mm. him terrorist. He, you know, showed some sort of remorse and like clockwork yep. because Tucker Carlson called him out that night That's, yeah. and said, what are you doing? Yeah. This is what happened the very next <laughs> night on Tucker Carlson's show.
7: That's right. Against cops. And you and I both agree. If you commit violence against cops, you should go to jail.
6: Yeah, but you're not a terrorist. You know, you're not. You're a guy who, you you know a guy who assaults would, a cop, okay? So, I, that, there's, there's, a, there's a legal difference, as you well know, better than I do, since you were actually in the running for the Supreme Court, and there's a moral difference between a guy, so, but, you doctor, know, The, the, right the reason I use that word is
7: for a decade, I've used that word for people that violently assault cops. I use that word all in 2020 for the Antifa and BLM terrorists that assaulted cops and firebomb police cars. But right. I agree. It was a mistake to use the word yesterday because the Democrats and the corporate media have so politicized it, they're yeah. trying to paint everyone as a terrorist and it's well, a lie. Exactly. And by the way, I've spoken out vocally against your exchange you just had. They want to paint us as Nazis. Yes. I was scary. That is what they're trying to do. And I just, look, I'm the one leading the fight in the Senate against this garbage.
6: And it's
5: what <laughs> I have been doing and it's what I'll continue doing. Well, I appreciate your coming on tonight. Thank you. You know what? You can almost hear Ted Cruz's nuts and a vice grip with how high his voice was trying oh, to yeah. plead his case to Ooh,
4: Tucker. Tucker. <laughs> and, and this wasn't even the, the the best part, which it starts off Tucker saying, so you texted me last night because you didn't like my segment <laughs> and I had you on now. And Ted Cruz launches into a... I apologize. I misspoke.
7: Your episode last night, I, I sent you a text shortly thereafter and said, listen, I'd like to go on because uh, the way I phrased things yesterday, it, it was sloppy and, and it was frankly dumb. And I don't and buy that. Result, whoa, whoa, whoa,
6: whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't buy that. Whoa, whoa. Look, I've known you a long time since before you went to the Senate. You were a Supreme Court contender. You take words as seriously as any man who's ever served in the Senate. And every word you repeated that phrase, I do not believe that you used that accidentally. I just don't. So Tucker, as a result of my sloppy
7: phrasing, it's caused a lot of people to misunderstand what I meant. Let me tell you what, what I meant to say. What I was referring to are, are the limited number of people who engaged in violent attacks against police officers. Now I think you and I both agree that if you assault a police officer, you should go to jail. That's who I was talking about. And the reason the phrasing was sloppy is I have talked dozens, if not hundreds of times, I've drawn a distinction I wasn't saying that the thousands of peaceful protesters supporting Donald Trump are somehow terrorists. I wasn't saying the millions of, of, of patriots across the country supporting President Trump are terrorists. And that's what a lot of people have misunderstood well, that well, comment. Wait I a second, focused- but even you yeah.
6: wait, but hold on, what you just said doesn't make sense. So if somebody assaults a cop, he should be charged and go to jail. I couldn't agree more. We have said that for years, but that person's still not a terrorist. How many people have been charged with terrorism? On January 6th. Like, why'd you use that word? You're playing into the other side's characterization that, as Joe Kent just explained, allows them to define an entire population as foreign combatants. And you know that. So why'd you do it? So,
7: so Tucker, let me answer you directly. The, The reason I use that word for a decade, I have referred to people who violently assault police officers as terrorists. I've done so over and over and over again. If you look at all the assaults we've seen across the country, I've called that terrorism over and over again. That being said, Tucker, I agree with you. It was a mistake to say that yesterday. And the reason is what you just said, which is we've now had a year of Democrats in the media twisting words and trying to say that all of us are terrorists, trying to say you're a terrorist, I'm a terrorist. And so, look, I don't like people who who assault cops. And, and, and I well, stand up and defend cops. And, and the reason I use...
4: So they didn't get into the, like, is it a terrorist, is it not? I have thoughts about calling literally everyone a terrorist. Um, But I do think this is white supremacist extremist violence. You can call that terrorism. I don't honestly think it's, I do think it's semantics. So, but the real thing is the heel turn Janelle. Like, like we saw this. I was, I was there at the RNC in 2016. He says, you should vote your heart. Ted Cruz says, don't vote for Donald Trump. Vote your heart. And everyone's like, boo. Right. (laughs) And he, of course ends up endorsing Donald Trump. That's right. He'll turn completely just That's like the right. lapdog he is. And look, right. I hate the term cuck. I think it's so stupid. It's corny. It's like for like weird, you know, 4chan, 8chan, you know, uh, uh, trolls. However, yeah. no one exhibits cuck behavior more That's than right. Ted Cruz. It, it it just, see it,
5: he oozes it's, it. It's God tier cuck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like this is this is so this is so interesting because I mean what he's doing is tacitly saying like or, or what what Tucker's arguing like absolutely invalidates some of you know his tits being on fire in the post Floyd era and you know the 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 demonstrations of 2020 so it's like which is it where now we know that there's not going to be any consistency here because it's like. No, when these people do this thing, it's righteous, it's necessary, um, you know, it's okay. These are, you know, defenders of freedom or whatever the fuck they call it. But, you know, when these people do now, that's scary. Like, they really hate the cops. And they hate the cops for reasons that they shouldn't. So, like, those people are terrorists. And it's like, you know, which one is it? But, you know, there'll be no yeah. consistency from uh, either of these. But, yeah, Ted Cruz, It's funny, because the- I- States, And it's hilarious to watch.
4: Yeah, and you know what? Look, look Ted- just stand by your your own statement.
5: Just stand fucking, up,
4: my man. Just stand up. Stand up for yourself. I'm serious about that. Like, I hate Ted Cruz. I want the entire Republican Party to, you know, go into to the dumpster fire of history. And I think it's headed there. But at the same time, I'm like, I want to... I need a little entertainment as it goes there, right? <laughs> and and I think, look, you've got Liz Cheney. Again, I'm not a fan of the Cheneys, but she has been sticking her neck out. Ted Cruz attempts to do the same, gets called out for it, and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, right. how dare I make a brand that isn't Trumpism? Like,
5: that's right. oh, man,
4: if you're going to go for it, you grew out your beard, now grow a pair of balls. <laughs> that's right.
5: That's right. That's right. But this isn't the first time that he's been, that he's had to, like, reverse and kind of, like, you know kowtow remember like last year during the the energy crisis in in texas that had them everyone freezing and he was like on his way to cancun something with his family and and basically he was bullied into coming back like you need to help yeah. out um and you know like the piece of shit he did he did uh comes you know crawling back in just enough time to have some good photo ops but like this guy he's he's um I, uh He's not as sharp politically as he once was, but I guess I don't know. Yeah, I'm or real... he,
4: or as he imagines himself to correct, be, right? Correct, correct. Like, but I mean, he does feel... have
5: staying power, unfortunately. But yeah, he's like, in the Senate. Ooh. They all
4: have staying power. They're yeah. they're fucking gl- super glued to those seats. That's right. You know, Diane Feinstein is literally a sl- like she's not. She's she entombed. She is entombed seat. and <laughs> super glued to that seat. That's right. That's right. Um, but but look, if you're MAGA, if you're like diehard MAGA. You hate Ted Cruz because he crossed mm. your boy one too many times. Right. He said it multiple times and here he is again mm-hmm. calling you and your so-called patriots terrorists. Right. So in my mind he's never going to get in with the maga crowd ever. He's he'll never going to try
5: though. He'll make he'll make a good he'll make the good college effort. He'll try. He oh yeah, he's gonna
4: try, but it will never work for him. It's like, buddy, pick a lane, do what Paul Ryan is doing, which is sleeping upside down in a cave, (laughs) waiting for Trump to die so he can emerge and like reassert himself and become, you know, run for president and win and be like, I I was asleep this whole
5: time. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. Was there an insurrection? (laughs)
4: That's right. Like every week I'm like, where's Paul Ryan? Where is he? (laughs) What is he planning? That's
5: right. What is he gonna (laughs) emerge? Oh Oh my god. Um, shall we kick it back to Nomiki? I think so. Nome, take it away.
1: I don't know if you guys know, but I am um I'm not a millionaire or a billionaire, and this show is not getting Fox News ratings. <laughs> we don't have Fox News advertisers. That's called independent media. And even in independent media, there are hierarchies. There are folks who are getting ads from big sponsors. They're getting boosted by other companies. It's a complicated world we live in, but we are truly independent. We're an absolutely independent show. We do this show uh, on a shoestring budget because we know what it takes to get this out there. And if I were doing this for the big bucks, if David, if our team was doing it for the big bucks, uh, you know, it would be different. But in but with that, when you take that big money, it also changes your priorities. It changes the types of stories you can share, the types of guests you can have on, the honesty and the authenticity that you can share with your audience. We are not uh, part of that. We're just we just decided. I mean, I have worked in in the news industry, in the media industry for a long time. I think like you know almost a third of my life at this point. Uh, And I know the difference between being part of a big media empire or small media empire and how that can affect your programming. We don't let it do that. And part of the reason, actually the sole reason, is because we have patrons. We have patrons like many of you who've been supportive all along, who've joined recently, who've come in and out because let's be real, the economy is tough. Uh, but when you go to patreon.com slash the Nomi Key Show, we have all different levels and we also have swag. We're going to be doing some special stuff for our patrons in the coming year. It's going to be very exciting. We have really exciting announcements after the new year. Uh, and our patrons are the first to know and they get the extra content. They get, you know, some of the the, the things that we're going to be putting on. I can't tell you yet. Uh, but if you go to patreon.com slash the Nomi Key Show, I promise you it makes a big difference. We are a a growing community. And I know I've talked about this before, but I think it's worth sharing again. There are very few uh, media shows on the left that are solely hosted by women. It is harder for them to break through, for women to break through the systemic barriers of these algorithms, because the algorithms are really skewed towards male uh, audiences and and hosts, but the audiences are, and I think ours is probably one of the stronger, 80%, 90% male. I'm not kidding you. So it's important. This is part of that ecosystem. You know, Google is not creating an easy pathway for a lot of people, especially people of color and women of color. Uh, And it does take a lot to put on these shows. So patrons are a big part of that. I just want to thank all of our patrons right now for being so supportive. Uh, This has been an incredible process, an experiment in media over the last few years. We're going to be doing some really exciting stuff in the next year. We're going to be taking on fascism directly and telling, sharing with you how to take on fascism, because let's be real. That's what we're facing right now. These are the crises that we're dealing with. We're also going to talk more about structural barriers, what's happening. Uh, with the Democrats, how we can potentially move the Democrats. It's hard, I know, and they're not really stepping up, but I think sometimes we lean on the Democrats to do things that sometimes we in our own community, we can do. It's frustrating at the federal level, but the real change right now is happening locally and at the state level. We're going to help you understand how to do that, how to take these folks on. The conservatives get it, the Steve Bannons get it, the Roger Stones got it. They've been doing it for half a century at least. And they learned from the previous guys, like the Roy Cohns of the world. So, why can't we? We got to think outside the box. And that's what we're going to be giving you on this show. We're not going to be fighting with other commentators. We're not going to be taking on the leftists in, in the house. We are going to be helping you understand how to build. That is what this is about. We don't have a lot of time, 11 months till elections. And that's why it's so important for patrons like you. Um, to to be part of this community. We're so grateful to you and you can join us at patreon.com slash the nomi key show. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. As always stay in solidarity and check us out on rockfin. Uh, We do TNS live. We start off here on youtube.com slash the nomi key show and for you patrons and everybody else listening, uh, meet us over on Tuesday nights. 8 PM Eastern. We do an extensive interview one-on-one uh, with some of our favorite guests. We get into a lot of issues, much deeper dive on those issues. Rockfin.com slash And of course you can meet us on YouTube too and, and move over there. Uh, in the meantime, stay in solidarity and have a nice weekend. The
0: no Momentarily for class solidarity, cash circulating, give the masses back its currency. Greed from elites, oligarchs, stay fed, deep state, faith fed, everybody break bread. Racism, homophobia, sexism, religion, and this melted by. We live in time to build a new system, unionize labor rights, highlight the issue. Talking heads left his best. The saga continues. The no me, show.